everyone, it's Trang here and welcome to my podcast, Tape This, where I speak to local artists and learn more about them. Today we have Angel Tiffany Jones with me and Angel is a poet with published work and a hairstylist in the DFW Metroplex. Hi Angel, how are you doing today? Hi. So let's go ahead and get started. Angel, thank you so much again for being on my show. Um, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, as far as with poetry, how that all began? Um, so I think when I was a kid, um, obviously, I think it was maybe second grade, maybe first, when I, I had that, those little spiral notebooks, the little bitty ones that are like a rectangle with the little spiral up top, um, and you can kind of flip over. Mm-hmm. And... For some reason, I was fascinated with writing on each line a word that rhymed with the line before. Oh, wow. And so I just remember driving around, like, in my mom's vehicle when she'd be going places, and I would just be doing that. I don't know, I guess my little... I don't know, that was that was what I... That was what I did as a kid for fun. Mm-hmm. What, um, when... How old were you when you started doing all this? Uh, I was, like, first or second grade was when I was figuring out, like, that kind of, like, rhyming. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you get older and just listening to music, um, I would be frustrated with, uh, I just felt like, because I I understood from an early age that words in music made me feel something. Mm. And so when people would, I guess like, you know, obviously like metal bands and stuff were really popular. Like when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. you had like Corn and like Limp Biscuit and all of these bands and they had some complex lyrics, but then there was also these other bands that I just like, people loved them and I just didn't understand. Like I didn't ever understand people's thing with Linkin Park. I just thought his lyrics. <laughs> Yeah. I thought his, like, they just weren't deep enough. Okay. They were just, and I know that, like, because he did kill himself <laughs> and stuff, but I just always felt like there was a surface level, mm-hmm. like, the artist themselves was not going deep enough um, into their emotions. Gotcha. Um, they were just using words that people knew. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, so, uh, it does make sense. Like, um, as far as with some music, you know, you can hear artists like making sentences or phrases because of it rhyming rather yeah. than actually yeah. building exactly value or exactly depth. yeah I get it that's exactly and so that's when the transition happened from not having to rhyme and just kind of figuring out that in music it's not just well in just any word it's not rhyming um so much as I guess I want, like, obviously it's the word that conveys the message, but somehow when you write, you can just feel it, and then when you start talking, like, it doesn't rhyme, but it does rhyme. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it just goes together. I gotcha. Like, words that flow together. Like, and you'll know, because then when you try to put one of those just, like, surface words, and then when you recite that road, it's Uh like every time it almost feels flat. Yeah. Um, And I guess as an artist, that's where it feels frustrating. Like, I know this isn't right. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not, whenever I speak these words, it's not communicating with an audience. 
it's almost like as an artist, if they were singing, their voice would not be in the right key or something. Oh, okay. So as a writer, I feel like when we're writing words, the way a musician plays a piano, we hear the words as those keys. Mm, yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And as a, a poet as well, I, I completely get that. There are just certain words that go together. <laughs> so how would you describe your, your writing style and has it grown over the years? Oh, for sure. Um, obviously, you know, relationships in life um, affect that. As I've gotten older, um, uh, I was probably about 27 when I realized, like, you know, maybe the words I was speaking over my life were um, affecting my life. You know, that inner consciousness of, you know, how you talk to yourself in your head mm -hmm. is how you perceive others. Yeah. Um, so I realized that voice was not awesome. Mm. So I kind of decided, obviously I went through a journey where I had to write my like F you to the men in my past. Mm -hmm. And then I had to write those, um, those things to my parents to, you know, I, I definitely in 2014, 2015, um, 2016, I really had to just get it all out. I yeah. felt like from, I had went from relationship to relationship to relationship. And so kind of like, you know, everything, I was never a break between relationships. Oh, so it was just yeah. a wave. I get that. Dumping into <laughs> each relationship, exactly. all the previous junk. And so there just came a time and place when it was like, I, I needed, I had to stop being in any type of relationships, yep. get emotional healing. Um, which somebody that's as codependent as me and had like before always found my identity in whoever I was dating, mm -hmm. um, you know, I had to kind of be like, Ooh, I don't like myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never given myself an opportunity to look in the mirror and realize like, you know, apart from being in like really bad abusive marriages and stuff like that, the reality was, is I, I had put all my identity in all of these people. And so I was just fragments of all these pieces of yeah. men mm -hmm. um, and didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to write and I had to write and write. I took off backpacking across Texas. Oh, wow. Um, craziness. Like, I've thrown a mental institution twice. Oh, wow. Um, but I wrote. So all of those books, that I, those are all like me in a backpack just randomly. I, I didn't have no money. I didn't have nothing. Like it was terrible. Like what year it was, was beautiful. That? 2014. Oh, wow. Okay. So before um, you and I had met. Yeah. Oh, 2014. Wow. Um, I had left my kids with their dad. And honestly, at the time, I thought it was in a movie. Like I was like my mind had broken. Um, I had gotten out of my abusive marriage. My mm -hmm. mind has, had completely broken yeah. and I really took off looking for love. No joke. Mm -hmm. Like that's where love stories in the mirror comes from. Oh wow. Is because originally it was a uh, surrender like siren blue was the original context because like blue is like, like the heavenly color and it was just like surrendering to I guess that and, and you know blue also has a lot of artistic meanings in a lot of places and usually it invokes calmness um, tranquility thoughtfulness um, and then that name became love stories in a mirror because I realized when I went looking for love oh you were looking for self-love 
Um, or, but I didn't know. Oh, yeah, I had no okay. idea. Like Last, I really yeah. went looking. I took off first for an ex boyfriend. Oh. Like oh, totally. Like literally, like jumped on a plane. Oh, you like went to go see him. Yeah, showed <laughs> up and stuff. And like oh, it was terrible. Wow. Like okay. I mean, obviously he didn't receive me. Like you know those like really big movie star moments. Yes, I did. <laughs> but they're only like cute and uh-huh. perceptive if the other person is receptive. I gotcha. Otherwise, you just look crazy. I gotcha. <laughs> Which, I look crazy. Um, but it was brilliant. Like, I honestly thought nothing, no harm could come from me. And mm. nothing did. Um, from, like, people. Mm. There was uh, some incidents with some police that, you know, obviously was not fun. Mm. Um, but... Oh my god, I was out of my mind. I was like on the boardwalk of San Antonio singing uh, Christina Aguilera's song from Mulan, Reflections. Oh, okay. Like, and I was just out there belting it. Like, belting it. <laughs> like, literally in the movie. over and over and over okay. again. Like, I, I don't, like, I just felt that song. Okay. Um, and then I had this tube top on and it was Fiesta out there. These police officers picked me up. I had been throwing like some of my writings off the top of a building. I'm guessing I don't I don't know. It was not fun. They picked me up, <clears throat> put me in the back of like an old school, like loony thingy. Like it had the bars and everything where you could see through it. I was like, this is a fucking movie. Like, mm-hmm. what is going on? And my tube top fell down, and this, like, female officer was just like, well, you shouldn't be wearing like that. So then I was just, like, boobs out in the middle of a fiesta, handcuffed, and just sitting there. Um, I remember, I think you did a poem about this specifically, or you talked about it. No, that's a different time. Oh, wow, okay. (laughs) So that had all happened before. Oh, okay. Um, No, this was was after that. Um, So after that incident, my mind broke, um, and I wasn't receptive as to what happened then. That didn't come until later on. That came years later on when you, because typically in any type of, like, rape cases and stuff like that, um you know, your mind is like, mm, I don't know what happened. Um, it's, they're just fragments mm-hmm. um, until you kind of go through those motions. Mm-hmm. And even, it was last year was the first time that I had directly talked to a psychiatrist about the oh. incident you were talking about. Oh, okay. Um, and that changed a lot of diagnosis. And that's mm-hmm. when I was diagnosed with like severe PTSD. Okay. Um, because a lot of behavioral habits had formed. However, I will say, I mean, I slept under bridges on that thing. Like, it was nuts. It was very nuts. It was super artsy. I look back now and I'm thinking, what the (laughs) hell? But at the time, I genuinely thought that I was in some kind of movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you just had, had a nervous some, breakdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like, that's but I was protected in all of it. That's great. That's yeah. the thing. Like, I do remember in the mental mm-hmm. institution though, there was this guy, and I felt like I was in straight Mad Hatter. Um, <laughs> they sat us down like all at this group table, and there was this man that just snapped, and I don't know why. He was brilliant. This was before I started speaking poetry. Understand? Okay. Okay. But I was writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in the middle institution, you're allowed to write. Although in there, I was like, oh my God, let me get out of here. I think I was just taking their meds and I had a little book of Psalms, which understand and all of this was when I became a believer too, because I didn't, and I, I, when I first read the Bible, you don't understand it. So all I had was the Psalms, which is straight poetry. 
Um, I didn't know any of that then. Mm. I just, this lady in there like took pity on me and just, I asked for that, like a, a Bible or something. That was the only thing she could find. And it was just a book of Psalms and I would just read it over and over again. But I remember the the man that would snap like that. And I, I called him like Snapdragon. I don't know why, but he would just snap like all the time. So it's funny that that evolved into mm-hmm. poetry. Little did I know. Yeah, that's. <laughs> it sounds like you went through like a very artistic journey to into you know performing at open mics, which gets to my next question: How was your first open mic? Like, how did you find the scene? And yeah, tell us okay, more about that. Okay, <laughs> so my first open mic was a complete failure. It was before I met you at Thursdays. It oh, was really? yeah. I dated this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I was such a romantic. Like mm-hmm. my poetry was like yours yeah I feel a like a long time and, ago yeah yours and my poetry are, are kind of similar the old it yeah. was very very everything was like this love story thing everything was very drenched in mythology and um because that's what I grew up on you know mm. I grew up on those stories I was obsessed with um all the Greek gods and all of those things um I always like when I was a kid I would read all the almanacs on different mythologies so I had a deep sense of that I didn't know I mean that I'd always done science fiction um like from a young young age from younger than my son and he's 13 I mean I was reading Anne Rice um just anything ingrained in mythology supernatural um and like the, I had like almanacs of it and I just studied it so when I first started writing so I decided I'm I'm gonna go on another date, and then I just I feel like I was like Taylor Swift. I was just dating guys <laughs> and writing whole, whole poems about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize guys were dating me just to see what I would write because wow. it was like after every date. Uh-huh. And so I was definitely kind of burning through guys there. But wow. I went on this one date with this guy in Fort Worth. Oh my God! I had just looked it up online, and it turned out to be like some like big televised poetry contest wow oh my god I didn't read a (laughs) poem that I had memorized I got up there first time reading a poem that I had wrote the night before okay it was terrible (laughs) it was terrible like it was it was terrible um this girl had performed this beautiful piece though about abortion um and um, I think she was just so inspiring and so much emotion. And then I kind of like didn't do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't do it again. My mind wasn't in a place to memorize, and it still takes a lot to memorize something. Um, but yeah, that was it was, it was how, how did it feel? Like, so I know you said the poem wasn't the, the best, but how how did you feel just being so vulnerable in front of a group? So of the beautiful thing is. Um, I mean, to be honest, the crowd was, you know, mostly black. And a lot of times in any of the art communities where you have, like, any of the poetry communities where the ethnicity is predominantly not white. And I know that it's not a racial thing necessarily, but I've always been received better there. And even later on when I started performing um, and I was, you know, in a mega church and all that stuff, they did not receive me mm-hmm. but the churches I mean they'd let me sing mm-hmm. um like praise and worship and stuff but not perform my poetry however several black churches did invite me to do spoken word there oh wow 
Um, and I think that was kind of frustrating, mm -hmm. not in a bad way as a racial thing, but just the understanding how as, how as an ethnicity that had been shunned, hurt, cast out, all those types of things, usually they're like, they know what it feels like. They're, so, they're more welcoming. So it's more welcoming. Mm -hmm. And I think that really, really kind of frustrated me going through like the institution of church. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was, that was, the crowd was amazing. Um, they clapped and they Aww. were so kind to mm -hmm. me and I was just a ball of nerves, but yeah, they were, they were Aww. very, very encouraging. So let's talk about fiches as well. So I know that's where you and I had met. I, I think it was like in 2017. How did you come about? It would have been 2017. Yeah. How did you learn about that open mic and you know, would you say that was pretty impactful for your journey? I don't know how, I don't, I just have no idea how I heard about it. I don't remember if it was a thing on Facebook. I think I found it through Facebook. So it might have been Facebook. Yeah, and what's I'm, crazy yeah. is you don't see a lot of that stuff posted on there anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's because of COVID. You know, that's definitely changed. But also a lot of open mics now, like, I feel like it's through word of mouth. Yeah. A lot of people have it through word of mouth or different social media platforms. I, I like, Fouché's was beautiful in the mm -hmm. beginning. It was very raw. It was. It was very yeah. raw. Um, I think Annika really, really started on something there. It, it evolved into a little bit more adult entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, which is how I, a lot of mics like that kind of evolve. And I think that's kind of the mm, part um, but it, it was, it was such a safe place. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, we had like, I don't know, 50 year old teachers like get up there. We, God, like to hear so many people's voices and perspectives and, um, like, oh my God, I remember this one girl who full Christian, um, black woman and, she got up there and her son had been killed mm. and she did this piece so powerful and she would say different names of God and it was so powerful and then she would cuss at God and I was coming from this like super religious environment where I had not ever been religious I was a complete atheist to like this culture that was like I don't know, just so not who I was and not who I felt like God was, mm -hmm. to then hearing this person that could speak God so powerfully, but then cuss at God. It was like an anger and just like not wanting to, like, why would you take my kid? Yeah. That kind of emotion, like I, that connected with me, that resonated with me. Um, that kind of freedom and your gift and your voice, that, um, that mattered. And you would have, um, there's, I can't remember her name, but she does a piece on the hajib about like somebody snatching that off her head when she was a little kid. And when she, and it was just this sign of modesty. And you would get those kind of perceptions that you may have not gotten just meeting somebody. Mm -hmm. So then you get to see the world through someone else's yes. eyes. Um, your pieces, obviously. Oh, thank um, you. One of the first pieces I remember you doing was your your um, Asian Pride piece, I oh, think. Oh, okay. There was that one, and uh, there was a love one. Mm -hmm. But I do remember your Asian Pride one. 
Um, and that was, I was like, wow, man, I would have never, like, obviously there are some cliches, like, um, but I would have never thought that a woman has to go through that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, like for people's fantasies and stuff like that, I would have never thought, Mm -hmm. um, like I would have, I know that there's some people, but I guess the audacity. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> the like and I've ha- like I have a lot of tattoos. Mm-hmm. So I've had people just feel like it's inviting to just be like, yes. "Oh, you like pain, don't you?" And you're right. like, "No, no I don't. It actually fucking hurts." Mm-hmm. Like I just like I have other experiences and I go through these things or well maybe it doesn't hurt as much mm-hmm. or you know whatever. Like but why would you feel like that would be like okay like yes. why would you want to <laughs> ask me if I enjoy pain? Yeah. That's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah. They just feel entitled, you know, it's, it's just in every single ethnicity, there is something, you know, that is fetish size or, or what have you. So I think it's something that every single person deals with, but I, I just got so tired of it from working at Tijuana that I was like, let me just share it and see, you know, I was really just taking notes of experiences I had. And then it just, one day I think I snapped and I just started writing that piece and a lot of people have been receiving it really well. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk more. Um, so you've been writing for a while and it sounds like that kind of bridged, um, you know, just how your emotions and everything you use writing to help process your emotions. And then you had mentioned earlier that you were on a journey for finding love after you kind of like just left everything. Yeah. Let's talk about where you are now as far as, you know, are you still, are you still searching for love or do you find that in yourself now? Um, well, I think love evolves. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, love is consistent. We can all quote, I guess that was the best part. I guess that's one place to start. When I was looking for love, I was asking random people all the time. Like I would, I mean, if I was in a line at a grocery store, I'd ask them if I was, you know, anywhere I was, I was asking young, old, whatever type of thing, what their definition of love was. And nobody had the same answer. Yeah. So then I realized nobody was on the same page, in the same book, Mm -hmm. on the same verse, anything. Mm -hmm. Like everybody had a different answer to what love was. Um... And so nobody knew, I guess I was doing this deep thinking. And I don't think I really knew so much. But in that moment is when I realized, like, nobody had. And so that's why we were such a un... Like, that's why we felt like we weren't loved as a generation, as people. Um, Because everybody had a different answer. Mm. So if I think love as this way and you think of love as this way, this is more complex than just your love languages, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, the love languages is a nice thought, but at the same time, I think love is so much more bigger than these little things and and different moods and different times of day. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to, you know, receive these loves. If, if you're at work in your little bubble and somebody comes, you know, your significant other comes up to you and starts like loving and rubbing on you and kissing you. And that's your love language. You're like, dude, I'm at work. Like it's a little odd. (laughs) Right. Like, so there's a there may be in that environment a different way that you receive love like mm, that makes sense wow and so the love languages I don't I feel like we kind of just shove those in little categories I, they're brilliant mm-hmm. um but it's kind of like you know your horoscope mm-hmm. you know you have your horoscope 
but like There's you're not all of that. Yeah, you're not mm-hmm. all of that. And just like you don't want to blame all your habits like mm-hmm. on you know, I'm late like a lot. <laughs> okay, but if I just like create that to me being a Gemini, that's right. terrible. Although it does kind of match with the Gemini <laughs> thing. But also like I'm a grown woman now and I'm a Gemini tiger, which basically means hoe. Mm-hmm. Um it's literally Marilyn Monroe Marilyn Monroe's like whatever. But oh, wow. when you read stuff, like I remember <laughs> a girl I worked with like read mine with the combination together and she was like, It sounds exciting. I was like, No, it sounds insane. And it sounds like my 20s. Um, so I can't say, oh, okay, well, I'm a Gemini, therefore I burn through men. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you got to figure out, like, that's, like, not a, yeah. that's not a character, like, thing. That's a, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you burning through people, like, mm-hmm. as though they're objects? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. And... I think that was, you know, obviously from a place of thinking love was sex. Right, right, yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I think, obviously, thank God it's evolved. Um, like, my kids are, they're smart. Um, it's more out there as far as sex. Um, I think when we were younger, it was just, you know, don't have sex when you're married. Yeah. But it wasn't like a, like, but why? Not mm-hmm. understanding that, you know, every time you're having sex with somebody, you know, you're tearing little pieces. Um, but I just feel like as girls, it was just very much a, well, I love this person, therefore I'll do this with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so we equated it to love, and you just end up broken because you've just given fragments and fragments and fragments. And because I, you know, am a believer, I believe in soul ties. I believe that you are metaphysically attaching yourself mm-hmm. to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so their spiritual STDs and all their junk is mm-hmm. attached to yours. You know, right. all of a sudden you're depressed and you weren't that way before. Mm-hmm. Um, there is definitely something supernatural um, about giving that piece of yourself. About having yeah. sex with yeah. random people or not. I mean eventually there's going to come a day when you're going to be still and when you're encountering self-love you really have to start um kind of digging through all that Mm. Uh, is that what what you kind of did that's what i was having to do girl and it was like (laughs) i don't think i even tried to make a list i just was like oh my god um i think i tried being celibate i probably wasn't good at that um and then I, I was for two years. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I was for two years. I just focused on writing, going back to school, mm. getting my license to teach. Okay. Um, like, getting myself in a position where, you know, I could take care of my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then enter my ex-husband and just, you know, oh, just those, those ignorant things. Of yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh, well, let me try this again. Um, but then I just, I just, I didn't want my kids to like battle the, the, the love the way I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were basically trying to find self-love within yourself to teach to your kids. Well, cause I mean, you can talk to your kids, mm-hmm. but 
they're gonna watch you. Right, right. Um, and I think at one point my daughter made mention like, it's funny, mommy, you were just with that guy and now you're with that guy. Oh yeah. Oh no, she's- Yes. <laughs> and I was like, my daughter just called me a hoe in kid oh, language. No. And I realized like she was right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was the most beautiful accountability and it was like, I, my, my mom um, is a drug addict. My mom, you know, was homeless for 15 years. Like. I had no, I had no idea what I was doing, trying to like be normal and not normal. There's no way. Um, I mean, normal is really just, I guess, people's perception. But I didn't know how to be stable. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I had nothing to to base it off of. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so obviously, in those times is where like you know, you go to church thinking there's some answers here. Um, and then you kind of cling to some of those things, but then like spiritually, I'm like, this is not like, okay, this is what Jesus is. And having went backpacking, that was the closest. Well, I'm always close with God, but really seeing, I mean, I would be walking and I would be like, I need a ride. I'm so tired. I can't walk anymore. And somebody would pull up like then. Wow. Somebody would be like, oh, well, you can sleep over here. Like, I mean, I would, it was just instantly, that's why I thought it was in a movie. Mm. So the way I think God walked me through that. And then when I was in a church environment and the things they were saying, I was like, that really just doesn't sound like what I've encountered. Mm. Um, Cause what I encountered was very much somebody walking with me and showing me a way, not yelling at me and um, dehumanizing me. Uh, I mean, just, and so there came a time when, I mean, I would leave church just feeling more broken than when I went in the door. And so I think that's, I don't know, that's a whole challenge in church. But I think a lot of people end up there looking for answers and love. Yeah. Yeah. So now, how are you practicing self-love and self-care? I'm 34. Um, The hardest part was um, not thinking of personal massages as a luxury and a necessity. Wow. Absolutely. Um, Really, if you want to do your research into what it does for your body, like the toxins it releases, all of that is really amazing. Um, if you want to go to a place locally, there's a place called Angel Foot Spa. It is not anything. I've heard of that. But there is an older woman there. She's an Asian lady named Angela. And she will twist, bend, climb on the table, <laughs> pop you. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Her massages are $55. Oh, that's not bad at all. Absolutely not. Always tip her really good mm-hmm. because she definitely invests in all of, like, she can just, like, it's like they have a, just, they have a second sight. They yeah. can see exactly where you need that healing. Wow. Um, chiropractic care, um, we don't realize, I mean, we do realize, like, if you break your neck, like, obviously, that's a problem, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but our spine is, you know, what's connecting all the signals to our brain, so for depression, um, digestive problems, Mm -hmm. all of those types of things, your back being in alignment Mm -hmm. and your body being in alignment, it really helps clear a lot of those other areas that you wouldn't even think Obviously, diet. I'm a vegetarian. I'm not a great vegetarian. I'm literally Googling how not to eat so many carbs. That's the hardest thing. So, I'm a pescatarian. I can eat fish. But, like, yeah, I'm over here eating bread and chips. And, (laughs) yeah. It's hard. It really is. I'm I'm usually trying. I I, I, I make these cauliflower tacos are really good. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I've only been like two years. So, you know, you get better at recipes. Yeah. You get better at trying things mm-hmm. because some of the stuff you're like, I've never. But I guess the longer you go without things, like your body kind of adjusts and craves other things. Mm-hmm. I never liked salad before. And I, I can just sit and eat leaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like iceberg lettuce. That's really mm-hmm. what it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> like that's the problem. Like, but there's all these other lettuces. Um, so that helps. Eating breakfast. I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe like just a good breakfast. Uh, taking time for yourself and that being okay. Therapy. Mm-hmm. Therapy. Oh, yes, yes. Um, psychologist. Taking meds. Taking meds was really hard for me just to kind of admit that this needs to happen. Um, um, what's one of the other ones? Pedicures. Ooh, at least once yeah. a month. Okay. Gotta get your feet rubbed. I stand all day, so. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially with you being a, a hairstylist, you know, you're pampering others, so you're doing so much to give to others that you deserve the same. So that's what that's about. Oh, like, wow. so that painting that I gave you, it's yes. about, like, the idea of being poured into and then pouring oh my out. Gosh. Um, But by the way, for those that are listening, there's a a painting that Angel did. um, I think it was like months ago that you messaged me and you're like, I did this and it reminded me of you. So I want to give it to you. So I'll have a picture of that as well up. But it's it's beautiful. She actually used um, the Britney Spears fantasy perfume, which I love Britney Spears perfume. (laughs) I love that. The idea is like, so if it's upside down. Like, this is, like, when too much of the world, this is kind of in a brain shape. Yeah. So, when you have too much of the world just, like, entering your brain and you're, like, a vase. Yeah. Um, you can't pour out anything. Yeah. Um, you know, these are your fantasy, your curiosity. That's the, your, those mm-hmm. are the two different models. Oh, wow. Um, being poured in there. These are all communion cups, like the broken communion cups from church. I paint a lot with those. Uh-huh. Um, at one point, I did a big painting on them because the church frustrated and hurt me so much. That's the raw mm-hmm. piece. That oh. piece is a giant painting that goes to that. But this is like when too much of like the world is going into you, um, how you just don't have nothing to give. Yeah. But when the painting's right side up, you're a cup. And when wow. you're you have more of your curiosities and your fantasies, um, but it's like from a good loving place, you can actually pour out more in yeah. a good way, like to give. Yeah. So, I mean, the concept is just you can't pour from an empty cup. That is so beautiful. But you have to know what's going in your cup. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm gonna have to show you after we're done here, I'm gonna have to show you our band room where we have all the local art and everything. It's gonna look just, just so amazing with all of that. Thank you. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. So, yeah, that's actually, I was going to ask you, because you are so busy, you know, with everything that you do, especially, you know, being a mother, really, um, that's like a full-time job in itself. How do you find time for yourself? Or what what kind of words of advice do you have for working moms to to be able to find that time? Oh, thank God. Um, I have have a great husband who works a lot, Mm -hmm. but he's a good provider. Um, he's definitely uh, invested into getting therapy and those types of things individually. We individually. Um, my kid's dad, uh, we've mostly always gotten along. Um, we had a liberal divorce, so there wasn't arguing and all of that kind of thing. Um, there was a little bit in the beginning, but our kids are 12 and 13. 
I mean, actually, whenever I got sober mm-hmm. and left my ex-husband, um, and like I stayed at his house with the kids and got, you know, clean and sober before transitioning and going to school. Um, but so we usually had a decent relationship. Um, that helps. However, at the same time, obviously as a mom, you know, my son is autistic. My daughter is ADD. Um, not, I, I guess the best answer for the longest time, it wasn't, um, when I was a straight single mom and I had left those crappy relationships and stuff, I was just working to provide for my kids. Mm -hmm. It was really hard. I didn't make a lot of money, but I made too much money for like food stamps and stuff like that. Oh wow, I hate that. It's crazy. There's such a weird borderline thing. I was working like 15 days straight. Um, I mean, you're just out there hustling. Yeah. And, um... At that time, I, girl, that drew me so close to God. And I don't think I've ever been so frustrated with God in my life. But I had a prayer closet. And it was just oh, like writing letters just posted all over the wall. And I would just sit in there sometimes. And I would just cry. And I, I mean, I was just so completely broken. My kids went through all of that journey with me. Um, for so long, the story was survival. Yeah. survival 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 um and I can't say like I can't say I think my heart goes out to the women in the past year that have been single moms with COVID and all of that stuff because I'm like an artist and even with my kids I'm like Ooh. you know I've pulled both of my kids out of school at separate times mm-hmm. um so now my kids are 12 and 13 and so if I want to go do something that's for me I'm just mm. like I love you bye yeah it's easier to leave um, them at yeah home. yeah when they're younger I mean just 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 do it there's like you know their dad they would go to their dad's house um when they were littler and hang out over there so I would you know try to make time for pedicure back then um, because that's probably all I could afford. Uh, I mean, that's getting your feet washed is a pretty magical thing. Um, yeah, that's what I used to do. That was all I really did. I would write a lot. I think going to open mics was, was really, you know, life changing. Mm -hmm. Like, I was a recluse, so I didn't go outside my house when I was in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't step outside. Mm -hmm. So being vulnerable in front of people I don't think people realize I think people think like oh these people they like the attention mm-hmm. um I feel like I would love the attention if I was like a pop star singing up there and I'm singing right. a happy thing exactly but we're talking about some deep stuff yeah you're <laughs> you're naked exactly you're literally emotionally naked yes. on stage yeah um it's always a cathartic feeling after you get off the mic you're just like wow I like spilled my heart out I'm vulnerable, but I feel empowered at the same time. Yeah. It's very bittersweet. Yeah. And then 
it's so funny because I'm so extroverted <laughs> until I'm in that environment. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I always think people think, well, she's a bitch. Like when I perform, you know, and I get off and I'm quiet in oh, that environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very quiet in that environment. I'm very like, um, no, I, I get it. <laughs> because, in my, because my pieces are the way they are. Mm -hmm. I usually don't want to divert attention mm. except for specifically. That's why I wear some of the big costumes yeah, and things yeah. like that. Um, so when I'm performing, it's, you know, drawing that in. But outside of that, I may not, like, I may just kind of sit and listen mm -hmm. and give my attention to the other artists that are in there um, and let them have their time to shine. Right, exactly. But in those environments, usually my voice I want it to count when I'm performing yes. the most that makes a lot of sense to me yeah and you're in the background most of the time up until you have you're right. usually in the background shooting in a mm -hmm. lot of those events until it's time for you so it's like all of a sudden here's this photographer yes. <laughs> coming from behind the scenes now in front mm -hmm. which is not always typical for your production people yeah um, usually like your videographers, your directors, they're usually background people. Mm -hmm. They're used to telling a story. Exactly. Um, so it's interesting you vocally telling stories because mm -hmm. it's, it is a little different. Yeah. It's something that like, I, I always have to change my mindset because I'm like, oh shoot, I'm in front of people now. So I'm so used to be being behind, but like I have to tell myself like my words are important as well you know people do like my work like I kind of get in my head sometimes because I'm so used to being in the background yeah um so actually I wanted to ask you that because I have a lot of friends that are moms you know that find it like they feel guilty for for self-care for you know doing any sort of luxury thing for themselves because they're giving so much to their you know their boyfriends their husbands their kids their work everything so that's great that you find time. It sounds like it has been a journey. Don't believe the lie. Of what? Of like the mom guilt. Do not believe the lies. <laughs> that is like a straight lie from the enemy of your mind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Anybody that's been a mom. Because you're I mean, you could write a list of yeah, the you things you think yourself. about. Yeah. yeah. Um, just do not walk around like shame is not your name mm -hmm. if you're out there and you're doing it I mean if you're a drug addict and you've just abandoned your kids yeah um, <laughs> even then you, those lies that you're carrying around mm -hmm. um, you don't want to be filled in shame if you're a person struggling with addiction and all those various things you need to get help. You need to get sober. You need mm -hmm. to go focus on those things. You can't right. have the voice of, um, I mean, even if you're struggling with sex or drinking or any of those things, you can't walk around with shame as your name. You can't mm -hmm. walk around at that time, even thinking of your kids Yeah. Um, and thinking about how bad gotta, of a mom. Yeah. You got to focus on yourself because that's the same voice of pride. Mm. Like pride tells you that you're the worst. Oh. Um, we always think of pride as, as like I'm the best, mm. but reality is, is pride is self-obsession. Mm. So when you're in those pits of depression where you're obsessing about yourself, that's still another form of pride. You're mm. self-centered, self-focused. Oh, wow. It's not yeah. in a positive, like I'm meditating and thinking of getting better and elevated mm or even having personal conviction for, man, I really did hurt this person this way. I may need to apologize. Or I did this and this and this these years ago. I need to let this go, journal it out or whatever. 
pride can very much be that place where we self-obsess. And I don't think we're always taught that. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think that we're being humble. But we've kind of met those people. We've all had those people Mm -hmm. when you're around them, they're like emotional vampires Mm -hmm. where they're constantly putting themselves down. Mm -hmm. And they kind of depend on you to pick them up. Gotcha. Or they insult you by saying, oh, I'm not that. Well, then I guess I'm a liar because (laughs) I'm telling you that you're beautiful and you're telling me you're ugly and it's just like that type of stuff. Um, So, you know, if you're walking around with that kind of guilt, um, I would definitely say, hey, you need to uh, pray about it, journal about it, you know, talk to somebody about it. Uh, The holistic psychiatrist, she's a great source. there's just just really get some information about where those trains of thoughts come from where those kind of thought bubbles come from and if they're keep taking you to the same place Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so don't believe those lies yeah that's great advice and then as far as with therapy I know you had mentioned that you're you had gone to therapy are you still seeing a counselor or therapist um I should be seeing her more mm-hmm. um this is where mom stuff comes in Uh-oh. <laughs> uh yeah so my daughter went to Mesa Springs last semester so we're still paying on that mm-hmm. um my son starts mind above matter um today actually um later on today um he'll go to school from like one to five so mm-hmm. um and these uh, are different mental health facilities um, because of all of the trauma of the past and living in survival and stuff COVID definitely kind of put everybody in a place that needed to be everybody needed to Mm -hmm. self-assess and obviously those depression and those types of things started Mm -hmm. surfacing Um, so my daughter kind of went through that first Um, my son about to go to junior high he does have autism we really need um we really need, he needs some time in school. He's just been kind of like, Hey, I, I can't do this. And he's, it's not feeling like his voice is heard. Mm-hmm. So this is going to give him that opportunity to be in group. Um, but it's, it's, yeah. So right now it's, you're pouring into them. Yeah. I mean, I still have my psychologist appointments and, you know, I'm medicated. Um, I definitely should be doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband still goes to his therapist. Okay. But that is so important. I feel like everyone at one point in their lives needs to go through it because we all have had those mental breakdowns. We've all struggled and we need to process that. How would you say it's helped you so far? And when did you start seeing a, a counselor or a, a psychologist? Well, psychiatrists, Psychiatrist. my, my, well, my parents would do that on and off, but it was terrible as a kid because my parents were like drug addicts and alcoholics and there was a lot of abuse and I had, you know, been sexually assaulted, molested, all types of things mm. before I was yeah, even 13. That's my, heavy. Yeah. So my, my mom had me on meth, um, wow. just smoking weed from a young age, all of these various things at a very young age, which I'm all for, um, people being able to smoke weed. Um, it makes me real paranoid. I do smoke like the pre-rolls and stuff, mm-hmm. um, of this, of the CBD, the CBD. Mm-hmm. because it doesn't have that Delta nine. And that's just such a huge difference, but I would say definitely research the effects of somebody under 21 smoking weed. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, there's just a lot of research as far as what it does to the brain. 
as far as what those chemicals and stuff can happen. Um, so definitely, you know, kind of research that. After I think 21 or somewhere in that range, the chemicals in our brain have kind of, there's something that happens after that age where, you know, you're developed differently. And so THC and stuff hits that differently. Mm-hmm. However, under a certain age, Your you know, you're developing, developing still. Yeah. Um, so it definitely kind of can throw some things out of whack. So my parents would would definitely keep me in that of psychiatrist and stuff like that when I was younger, but they had the money, so they were just telling the doctors whatever. Okay. So as an adult, when I got off of drugs, I went, I was 27, um, and I was a heroin addict turned meth addict because to get off of heroin, I used meth. Wow. Um, because I don't know how anybody gets off of heroin. It's, it's just, it's such a struggle, man. Um, to then when I didn't want to do meth anymore, I went through MHMR and got put on, you know, meds and took those for a couple years and then went off of meds. Um, and really just last year when my ex-husband got out of prison, I had such a bad PTSD episode that I reached out just like messaging like oh my god I need something it was like 10 11 o'clock at night and um that was when I you know as an adult as a female was paying for my own doctor not like state doctors whatever Mm -hmm. um where I actually told my story um like the things that I had never told professional doctors and that's when all the diagnoses wow. changed. Um, that's when it was like, no, baby, you don't have X, Y, and Z. You have had PTSD probably since the age of three. Yeah. And this is why your brain chemicals act this way. There is an excellent book called The Body Keeps Score that is the guy who, who coined the term PTSD writes about how it's not just something that you can get healed from through talk therapy through medications um literally when you have ptsd episodes the left side of your brain almost shuts completely off like a stroke Mm. the back part of your right brain dims and the only thing that lights up is in the very front as though it's new information each and every time Mm. so it's not like you can your left brain which is your communicate can tell your right brain hey this is a memory your body and the memory of it is actually looking at it as though it's brand new information every single time. Mm-hmm. Couple that with, and it's this is excellent for anybody that, um, oh God, you mix that with innate bias. You think of anybody that is black or another ethnicity, we'll focus more on just somebody that is black. If they've ever had any type of encounter um, that is negative, with any other race, there's natural bodily response that the next person is going to perceive them that way. And over time, you have the media, you have these encounters, Mm -hmm. you have all of these things. The body keeps score of these things. Mm -hmm. So that is, it's, it's, it's not something that they don't just forget about. It really is the body remembers these things, even if your mind isn't necessarily thinking it. Let's say person A was white and told person B that, you know, they were whatever odd word and just very detrimental to their mental health and their character. Or let's say some type of altercation happened that was physical in those environments. 
the next time somebody walks past them, their body may instantly react without the mental like thing happening. Um, For me, like having been raped, um, for, I mean, that's sometimes why open mics are so hard for me to go to at night because the last incident happened at night. Um, And so sometimes when I leave open mics and I'm by myself, it's it's so much, even though I'm not even on that subject, Mm -hmm. just that's why you always see me leave open mics like earlier Um, and why it's so difficult. Cause I I mean, people like come out, come out and I'm like, I'm so, I get very, very paranoid. Um, because I don't know. I'm always, it's, it's, I wish I could say it just went away, but I, I don't know. I have, it sucks. Because yeah. it's almost like, in, in Christian culture, we would be like, well, that's the enemy attacking what you're good at. Um, you know, that's the enemy preventing you from, you know, living in your purpose. All of these various things. But I don't know. I just, sometimes I feel the least safe after I perform. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. But, I mean, some of the stuff I talk about is really heavy. Yes. And yeah. um, I guess it's where... I mean, as with any rape victim, um, as with anybody that's been assaulted in any form, you're afraid to talk about it because you're afraid people are listening. Mm-hmm. You're afraid that, you know, someone's going to come after you. Yeah. Um, yep. That you know, it's just, it's a very odd thing. If you've ever been, or you've been in an abusive relationship, when you first start talking about it, it's very confusing mm-hmm. because there's some weird like you just what feel if like this person watching. like hears it yes you feel like someone's watching and listening like they're they have a spy on you like it makes you kind of paranoid yeah and yeah. that's that's because they've you know gaslighted you to hell and back mm-hmm. they've um they've controlled so much of you mm-hmm. and i think any type of like physical assault mental abuse yes um i mean it's a it's a it's a control, it's a power definitely, thing. Definitely, definitely. So there's been power that's felt taken from you, mm-hmm. which I think is weird because, yes, that power was stripped, but it's also what makes when I speak so publicly. <laughs> um, that's what makes like that, um, and there's something that resonates in there that creates that power. Um, when I do spoken word, I, it, it derives from that just shit like that just manure of just mm. filth there's like this flower that just kind of evolves because i mean the greatest crops grow from you know a lot of manure i guess mm. Mm. um i mean that's old school farmers they take cow patties and throw it on there <laughs> uh so yeah but it sucks yeah i didn't even notice that wow like when when you mentioned that you leave early, like I, I did notice that, but I didn't know that was the reason why. I just thought you had to get home to the kids. Mm-mm. Wow. No, usually they'll be at their dad's house or something like that. Yeah, it's usually because wow. I hate driving like late, late at night, leaving yeah. those events. Do you still feel? Oh yeah, yeah, and that's like a lot of times, like people like come and I'm like I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come, mm-hmm. and then when it's time to come, I'm like, oh wow, 
Yeah. Do you get um, social anxiety or anxiety yeah. in general? Well, it's not social anxiety. I love everybody there. Like, there's literally no place you'll ever feel more accepted in your life than an open mic with poetry. Like, yeah. we're just a bunch of, like broken people that are utilizing that emotion for the benefit of each other, for self-healing, for other people to, you know, have that me too, or perception perspective that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And there's nothing but beauty from it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, I don't know. I have no idea. Because I don't get afraid talking. Yeah, yeah. I have no problem talking. It's just the drive. I don't know what it is about that. That makes a lot of sense, too, because, you know, I asked you, do you want to do it in the morning or the evening? And then you picked the early morning. Everything just makes sense now. Yeah. Wow. If you don't mind, Angel, let's take a quick break here. Okay. Um, and then we're going to get back and talk a little bit more about, um, you know, your, your therapy. And then I know you mentioned that you're taking medicine for mental health as well. So I'd love to talk about that, too. Okay. All right, everyone, and we are back here with Angel Tiffany Jones, and um, we had just finished talking um, a little bit about her uh, her therapy and her mental health. So I wanted to talk about because she had mentioned um, Angel, you had mentioned that you take medicine for your mental health. Can you go over more of that and what kind of um, medication you're taking? Um, I take ten milligrams of Lexapro, which is a serotonin antidepressant and anti-anxiety um it does that that chemical I don't know how um I can't pretend to like know all I just know it affects the serotonin because I also take another antidepressant which is the Wellibutrin and that one affects like your feel-good kind of senses uh that like your dopamine I think is that one so they kind of help each other out. That's why I take two different antidepressant medications. And then I take an anti-seizure medication, which also off the grid is like a mood stabilizer, Mm. um, which is the Depakote. I used to take the the Lamitatrine, but I broke out in the Johnson rash, so I can't take that one. But I do have like, they're not hardcore seizures, but um, like, Back back about four years ago, I, I would have hardcore shaking in my sleep. Like, I would have, like, all kinds of trauma. Oh, wow. Like, your body remembers. Even when you're asleep, wow. I would have, like, just these... Um, it, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, it was really bad, actually. Back then, like, even if I would have sex, I would roll over, feel filthy, mm-hmm. like, cry. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really crazy. Um, I would always feel dirty. Mm-hmm. Um... So the Depakote helps as, you know, a mood stabilizer and it's an anti-seizure medication. So those are the three I take. Um, what are the pros and cons of, of being on antidepressants that you've noticed? Well, the cons are typically like, what is this going to make me feel like? Right. <laughs> what What is this going to do to me? Um... You know, and then it obviously when you first start taking any medication, you're going to feel different. And so consistently sticking with something that 
at first doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lexapro at first definitely made me just feel quiet. I work in a career where quiet's really not your option. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would be at work and it's like people would come in and want a haircut and I'm just like, I was just kind of going through the motions wow. and thinking like, how the heck am I going to do this? And I had a client that was like, well, don't just take it when you're not at work. Cause I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so the consistency was key. Um, you know, I gave it about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, also, you know, the times you've had medication where you're like, this is not working in like two, three, four weeks, like no. Um, and so having a doctor that listens to you and really doesn't just say, well, just keep taking it. Cause I've definitely had that in the past and it's just like, well, I can't function on this. Yeah. So I give wow. up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being honest, like when you know, it's not working because you want it to work, but you don't want to take more medication because the, each time you have to take a different medication, it's like, how is this going to affect you? Yeah, me? it's changing you. Um, I also have a prescription for an anti-anxiety, which also, it's an anti-anxiety off the, like, thing, but it's given for, like, um, allergies, and that's, like, hydroxyzine or something. Oh. And... That thing knocks me out, so I really don't take that that much. Mm. Um, but it's there. If I do have a hardcore anxiety attack, I can take it. Um, smoking CBD, like finding the right strand, um, because I totally would have been like, mm, whatever, that's much bullshit. But I mean, there's people that can smoke weed and they are chill and in a good mood. You do not want to deal with me when I smoke weed. I am like crackish, paranoid. But CBD, really, I just get calm and can chill and can watch television and honestly just feel like I'm in a good space. Um, Sometimes I can't sleep. I know, which is like counterproductive to what it's supposed to do. But when I was a kid and smoked weed, I was definitely, I would smoke weed and watch, you know, music videos all night, <laughs> which is funny because the other night I smoked and sat there watching music videos. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what it is about music. I guess you can almost, I don't know. But not having that, those psycho pseudo effects yeah. is like where you can just have that calming effect. It's, it's pretty magical. Um, That's interesting. I've been kind of like thinking about, you know, getting on it because there are some times where I just feel like I have so much anxiety I can't handle it and I just like want to scream, but then I just kind of hold it in and, you know, go through the motions. So would you say that's something that might help with that type of anxiety? I I honestly, I honestly, I I suggest medications and I was so like anti any of it. Yeah. But obviously you have to figure out works for you what works for you um you have to figure out like is there something or a relationship in my life that also is contributing Mm -hmm. into this like what kind of healthy boundaries do I might need to lay down Mm -hmm. um are certain people affecting this obviously doing the profession that you do you are in a lot of different environments and you're Mm -hmm. dealing with people so that's a lot of energy too Mm -hmm. um so sometimes just that's just you know part of the job that's just yeah (laughs) yeah but I mean it is like I know it's like you know I mean it's one of those jobs I mean where you have to remain professional in environments where they're not maybe you never know you never know or you just never know what kind of energy a person's gonna have and 
Um, also, like in open mics too, there's right. there can be some stuff like emotionally where it triggers. Yes. Um, or some people can just be really hateful, mm-hmm. um, and they're just performing from a very hateful place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. It's hard on your spirit. It's hard on your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, when you walk away from that, it's like some of times it's just kind of stuck in there. Um, and figuring out how to get that. I mean, yoga is great. Yoga is, I mean, you can kind of dump it and stuff. But there's all so these holistic, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. There's all these holistic things. Um, but I, I'm not against medication. <laughs> What changes have you seen in, in yourself since you, you started? Not yelling. Oh my oh. god. I didn't know yelling triggers the same response as as hitting somebody. Mm-hmm. Like your mind actually perceives somebody yelling at you as though they've struck you. Wow. Like it doesn't like... Yeah, I grew up in a household where yelling was a constant thing. So I, I, I get really anxious when I hear people yelling because it just, you know, triggers a lot of stuff from my past. Um... And so I don't yell. I, I try to keep very calm, calm voice. I didn't know that was very similar to hitting. Wow. Like it's like research and studies have shown that yelling, yeah. it does the same thing as though you're striking somebody. It's like an emotional strike. Like your yeah. brain is like hearing and hitting it. Hitting. Wow. Um, and the same, the same uh, chemicals in your brain are released to try to cope with it. Mm. Um, but I mean, I grew up in a household with a lot of yelling Mm. and so I'm, it's like opposite. Like I learned how to yell through that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's so odd how, how, because you can have two people, like you can have a person that's been sexually assaulted and they'll be super, super promiscuous Mm -hmm. or they'll be very reserved. Yeah. And not just, or or like they'll try to make themselves as unattractive. You'll have somebody that will make themselves try to be as attractive as possible or as unattractive as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, So it's, it's very, it's, it depends on the person. Yeah. 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 It's however that person decides to cope. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Are there any other changes that you've noticed? Um, I would say just mood improvement, um, thoughts used to be like, I mean, still my thoughts can go away, but they just, whenever they'd start like going up to the mountaintop in like just <laughs> insanity. Like it'll kind of hit like a barrier and start kind of coming wow. back down. Um, I don't know how, like it, it just does. Hmm. Uh, although I don't always feel as connected to that artsy side of me. I, I don't paint oh, as much. Wow. I don't like those wild, um, highs that yeah. you get where it's like, I'm going to channel all of this into that. But at the same time, I've been starting a business. And so just maybe all my creative energy is just going into that in a different, you know, just kind of that evolving sense. So Because you still are doing art just on hair. Yeah. Well, but there's a whole, the business aspect of, you know, Mm -hmm. having this and having your pricing and having, Mm -hmm. you know, your schedules and all that stuff. So it's funny to me to be the person that comes home and watches Netflix. Like I, I, like I was a person that's like, we're not going to have a television in the house. <laughs> like, I mean, when my kids were younger, we didn't have like, we're going to paint. We're going to do I this. I remember like, that. <laughs> I like, I just yeah. wasn't the person. So it's, it, 
it's different to come home and be like, okay, I'm gonna like, although I've been watching a weird amount of cult shows, so. Uh, would you say, so do you feel like that changed because of the medication? Or just as you've grown as a person? I probably your medication. Okay. Though. If I went off these meds, I'd probably be painting some walls or something. Like, but that's not necessarily always a good thing. Like, because they're used to come home and my husband, my husband, God bless him. Like, it, just be, like that painting, it needed to sit for three days with the broken pieces and glass on yeah. it before I could paint it. There was like oh just the moon and all kinds of things going into it. Like, yeah, I remember. He doesn't even question it. <laughs> I'm just like, let it be. Don't mess with it. Oh my gosh. I remember meeting you like I always thought of you as such a free wild spirit like you were just the most artsy person like I had ever met I, I think like you know just the way that you dress speak your hair everything like it was just you were breathing art and so yeah like I I, I can see you like you know just having your, your oh, art pieces house all over covered. well and it's mostly my kids um, like whatever thing they do, I slap it on the wall. My living room looks like something fresh out of like the Weasley's house from Harry Potter. <laughs> like just, I don't have any of the pictures straight up and down. Like wow. I just, like if they're sideways, crooked, whatever, mm. hanging from here, there's random objects. I have like big A like ceilings. I mean, there's nothing that's like straight. There's mm. nothing that, um, uh, it just, I don't know. It just makes me think of like. I don't know, magic, you know? Like, yeah. I, I don't like all the paintings straight. I like them just however they go up. But the straightest thing is we have, like, a Princess Monotowoc, like, over behind the television, like a Studio Ghibli um, with her on the wolf. Mm -hmm. um, that one's straight. And then we have, like, the progressive flag, the big, big progressive flag over our mm -hmm. fireplace. And I think that those two are the only things that are straight. That's kind of funny <laughs> that the gay flag is, is the funny. straight object. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. And so with your medication, do you see this as something that you'll continue on in the future? Do you yeah. plan on stopping? Yeah, that was that was a hard one to just kind of wrap my head around. Oh, okay. But just accepting that, you know what, it's okay to not be okay. Mm. Um, it's okay uh, to just admit that, hey, you had a lot of trauma as a kid. Yeah. And your brain is not chemically balanced. Um, your brain, your entire childhood, mm -hmm. was constantly releasing things to try to make itself feel better in an environment that wasn't okay. Yeah. You know, I had an alcoholic for a dad, and then I had a, a drug addict for a mom, and so they just argued excessively. They yeah. hit me. Wow. Um, I mean, just terrible, terrible things, and... You know, your body, every time it's going through that, it's just releasing things like as if you've been in a major accident mm -hmm. or it's just releasing tons and tons of, of chemicals to try like either your dopamine, your serotonin levels and um, uh, the other good one, like the endorphins. As a kid, you're just living off of that um, because that's just how your body is like, okay, your brain's designated purpose is to make the body live mm -hmm. and it's going to do that in whatever form it needs to either chemically or take a situation and romanticize it in order for you to get through it mm -hmm. um like it, it can it's the beauty of it but also the curse you know it is that double sword you as a writer but also as a person that has went through something it has ability 
to take anything and romanticize it in a way that makes it survivable. Mm-hmm. Like when people that have went through um, abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been in an abusive relationship, you know how to rewrote, rewrite what that person's intentions were even though clearly their intentions were from not any type of pure Mm -hmm. place but you know how to make excuses for them Mm -hmm. because your brain is trying to to cope Mm -hmm. um that's why you know when people are like well why don't you just get out it's not that simple your brain starts to rewrite what's going on in order to live yeah um so just accepting that, hey, medications are necessary because, you know, 30-something years of your life, you've spent surviving. Yeah. Wow. And so speaking of, you know, your future, what sorts of goals or, um, you know, plans do you have for your future? I want a vacation uh-huh. more, mm-hmm. um, which was the amazing thing about just being self-employed fully. Mm-hmm. Scariest thing, but amazing thing. Um like taking my kids and me and my husband going on more family vacations. Yeah, I've noticed like, that. I love it. And just being an intentional in that because I was always afraid of doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, either because of finances or, I mean, just making sure to do those memories. Like have those memories. Um, oh, God, that's so important to me. Like so very important. Obviously, my kids' mental health and getting them in a place that they can thrive and function in school is super, super valuable to me. Business, myself, um, obviously you want to see that, you know, do well, but you want to attract the type of clients that you want to do. So having a strong clientele, um, a good clientele, a creative clientele, a fun clientele, um, just the clients that are going to be with me, the clients that I'm supposed to do, I guess, um, those conversations that I'm supposed to have with people. I do feel like God brings people to you that, you know, you're supposed to meet, um, and have conversations with people. I mean, I've talked with women fresh out of sex trafficking to, um, you know, pastors in my chair, like, you know, you get these different things and I get to be that in between, like, Hey, you know, you know, this pastor may have had this perception, but Hey, I actually have a firsthand account from somebody that was trafficked in. Mm -hmm. So, Hey, you know, these, these are network opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, not just for personal gain, Mm -hmm. but being able to just elevate the community. yeah, Yeah. And letting these people know, Hey, you know, this person actually, you know, has this going on right here in the city. Like, is your church, you know, th- those are different. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't necessarily have someone's ears. I gotcha. Um, but then also, I get their stories. Yeah. Which is, is super personal. Um, you know, you get an environment where people just get to be unashamed. And, God, man, like, that can't, like, shame not being our name. I just can't stress that enough. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not your name. Um, so you get that. That's great. Um, I mean, obviously financially it'd be nice to do really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so those You'll are... You'll get there. Yeah. And my marriage. My marriage is, um, just making sure you take those opportunities with your significant other. Yeah. To detach and make, um, time together. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
like so important where and when you have your own business it's so easy to just be like babe just give me a second mm-hmm. exactly like, exactly um, it's so hard to to have that time like everything you're saying about the relationship right yeah like I find myself you know with Pat I'll be like give me one second like while we're having our time together to the point where I'm like hey whenever we have time together let's turn off our phones you know you need to intentionally make that time. but when you're self-employed it's like <laughs> the concept of like missing because I'm yeah. mean, like it's it's FOMO <laughs> it's like oh my god like you know this one person break, can yeah. message and you know it's like but then you just have to trust you know what this person is valuable to yeah me. yeah and like, I'm just going to trust that, like, if I make this person valuable and the people in my life valuable to me, then, you know, for me, like, God's going to make sure my clients and all kind of fall. Like, if I put things in the right priority and order and those types of things, that God's going to balance those things out correctly. Faith. Very, very you know, faith is a very strange thing because you're just like, okay, I'm throwing all this out there and it's supposed to happen this yeah. way. Um, but in any like environment you're taught, you know, you know, God first. Um, and then, you know, your husband and your children, um, you don't have to be legalistic with it. I know a lot of people can take that. I, I, I'm not like reading my Bible every day and think mm-hmm. I'm not that. Like I know and believe in the Holy Spirit. I know God is with me. Having those conversations in my head, talking with God while I'm driving, um, just having those types of things. Not this like I'm here and there and this and that and doing all these things to make it seem like I have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Just I think real faith is just knowing God's there. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's also yelling and cussing or whatever <laughs> I got, but it's, it's knowing that if you really believe in God, he's with you. Um, so, okay, you know, I'm going to, you know, put these people first because these are the people that you've entrusted with me, right. God. Um, you know, people have that with the universe, just even, you know, be an atheist. It's, it's just the reality of if you're taking care of the people in your home life, I mean, that whenever I guess like you're sowing that like emotional time so whenever you can't be there they know hey you know we have x y and z time together um I know she's gonna come back I know she's gonna be here actively I know she's like those types of bonds that continue to develop those are those are very very important so it sounds like you know you have a lot of good um goals and aspirations coming up and right now you're you're busy building your business and everything are we going to expect any sort of poetry books any more poetry books from you um i i did i did one i think this year yeah i did do one this year um it's called uh, was it this year you just released one i did it's i don't even know the name of it because on amazon it's on oh Amazon. My gosh. I there's, think I missed that. There's five of them on there now. Oh wow! Um, You've been so low key on social media that like I I have. It's all been that. about hair. Like okay, I, yeah, I, I, I noticed that. It's all Which been about hair. Like, it's like, <laughs> like it's all been about hair and just oh my god! You like, really trying have been to, building your your clientele. My my poetry has always been something that I feel like God gave me as a story. It wasn't ever like I'm going to make a whole bunch of money off of this. 
Um, it was always about like, I've probably given more books away than I've sold. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always about getting that story out there, getting these words out there. It's kind of like as an artist, we do things that make us money and we do things that we love to do yeah. that heal us. Yes. Um, and you have to do both. Yeah. Um, the poetry was a lot of that. And then on the back end, there was a lot of it that was um, specifically given to a particular church leader um, to give, and I mean, very well perceived and to give a lot of perception into the real world outside of their Bible based, you know, you're only surrounded about certain people. So you're only going to see the world from that lens. Um, the higher you up in a church environment, when you're in a big mega church or whatever type of thing, um, just like any type of, you know, when you go out into the community, um, a lot of people know your name. It's, you know, there's celebrity pastors and those types of things. And so, um, a lot of it was wrote in response to just things I had encountered in different places. So there's a little bit of something in everything book that I've ever wrote um, that connects to some other type Mm -hmm. of thing. So the series is completed as far as the duration of time from 2014 through 2019, I think. Yeah. So there's five books in there. And that is the journey to getting sober, to finding love, to um, really gaining my voice in a Mm -hmm. Christian community, being able to speak. So there's so much growth. You start off with this this woman like in obsessed with fairy tale type love and romance and you just see this evolution of this woman whose voice is no longer just talking about self mm-hmm. um both are and very important that all of it's very important um but where now you're speaking from i mean going into the the open mics and stuff definitely encouraged me to write from a place of those people being my mm-hmm. people. Um, because I always saw like if, if Jesus was walking around a day, that's where Jesus would be. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus would be there. He wouldn't be standing in the church. Like, you know, he would be with people. Like he'd be hanging out at the open mics where everybody's smoking and drinking and just <laughs> chilling and he'd be listening. And Jesus would probably get up there and speak a few words and then go sit down and listen mm-hmm. because that biblically is what you hear about Jesus. Like that's, I mean, Jesus was just hanging out with the, this is a a king who was born into poverty Mm -hmm. and chose to be born there and stayed there. Um, And hung out with, like, so I I always, and so my voice grew from that, just seeing other people. And I realized that energy took me to the church to challenge Mm -hmm. the church Mm -hmm. as far as y'all weren't seeing the world. They were in there ridiculing and saying they're sinners and all this stuff. And I'm like, bro, the spirit is more powerful and moving stronger in these little bitty hole in the wall, whatever, where there's just raw talent than when you walk into this polished, whatever it is, you know, hyper-organized type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, here we are, freely letting the spirit just kind of move through, people being heard, seen, 
kind of some leadership, but really not like everybody's voice kind of matters type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally just this organic thing to this other place of being like, okay, well, we got to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, well, God's not on your schedule. Um, And I don't know. I just, I was like, so seeing that definitely had me in places of office where I was like, you're wrong. This is where y'all should be, you know. This is really what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like I was just somehow positioned in that place where I could do that. And so I that's where that evolved into. Wow. And now, if, if I published anything, I do have a lot of writings. And this is where a place where nothing is in a consistent place. Mm-hmm. Like my there's so many journals just sporadically <laughs> placed. And all of those other writings were organized in some way. But they were all in the same books, you know, or different same books. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Now it's almost like it would be like these B sides, you know, there's uh-huh. just like tons of writing all over the place. There's tons of of material, but um yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I haven't been in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I get afraid to write because, you know, when you write and you memorize things, you sometimes live through them. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And you feel crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, you feel like... Like, so <laughs> like you're kind of stuck in, yeah, in your writing. Yeah, but I, I guess like maybe, you know, that's the universe. So that's God like teaching you and training you through that. But mm-hmm. oh my God, like if you're memorizing a piece about like women being raped... Or, like, yeah, it's like the next thing I know, every single person mm. in my chair in the salon is some type of victim. Mm. And then it's, like, even more, like, oh, my God, you know. It, like, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, when you start, like, challenging these things, it, it starts bringing that to you. Yes. Or it it's so sometimes oh my god like being a spoken word artist is oh my god like, I feel like it's easier to sing a song I promise it's easier to sing a song yeah words have so much power behind them because we don't have a medley in the background yeah, we yeah just, it's raw we just have our voice and mm-hmm. our wo- words and that's the other portion is you're breaking new ground mm-hmm. uh, a song has you know I guess making a new song you know they're you've watched it's it's frustrating they argue you know they go through things together a band does um but with words like just simple words it's like you're breaking new ground Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like you're speaking this new earth Mm -hmm. and it's it's just so different to me yeah it's weird and so speaking of that are you planning on performing at any open mics anytime soon um or in the near future I know y'all have one. We have one uh, this Wednesday for RVC. Where's it at? Here. It's in Fort Worth. It's um, it's at the Art House in Fort Worth. It's the Black House. The like Art House. The, the Urban Hangout. Black, yeah, yeah. The big black one. Or no? Uh, no, it's not black. Um, I don't. I think it's. I don't know the color. It's always okay. dark when I go. Okay. Yeah, but it's got like this big backyard where okay. that's where we do the open yeah. mics. I'll I'll text you. I'll message yeah. you the information. I think Wednesday. I don't have. No pressure. It is late at night, so... How late? 7 to 11. Yeah. But yeah, I'll message you. Y'all usually feel, like, decently safe. Mm-hmm. Um, girl, it's usually energy, man. Like, when there's yeah. a lot of people throwing stuff out there, it's like... I don't know. It's so weird, like... 
RVC is I it's more poetry it's more poetry that's the thing yeah it's more poetry and I like that because that's how it was with Annika Michelle's open mics like Fuchs like I try to keep that that yeah. aspect of it that yeah. one girl who did the sound music or whatever one time that was crazy the sound music she did like this weird singing in a cello and I would have thought it was insane yeah, but yeah, then yeah. like you felt something I was like oh my yes, god she yes. released something out of my soul like yes, it would, she was any really other good. time I would have been like this lady sounds crazy but like being in the moment she yeah. just made these sounds and did this different thing with the cello and you literally felt like yes it was really it good. was like she had opened your chakras like mm-hmm. it was crazy mm-hmm. it was like you would have never you would have been like that sounds a little hippie but no <laughs> it was like it, it worked yeah <laughs> i i really like that that one that was the one i think the only one that you've been to right yeah. rbc yeah. that was during i think mythology was our thing yeah yeah that was a really good one. I hope to see you soon, you know, back on the, the mics, but I know yeah. it's, you know, it's whatever feels comfortable for you. Well, it was such a pleasure talking to you, Angel. Thank you so much, you know, for, for joining us and sharing yourself. You are a survivor from everything that you've dealt with in your entire past. So it's it's really nice just having, you know, such a strong soul on, on here with me. Can you tell us where we can find your poetry books? Um, so there are you and your poetry. Yeah, they're on they're on Amazon, um, under like Angel Tiffany Jones and their love stories in a mirror, mm-hmm. all one word. Uh, if you don't have money and you just want to read them for free, there's love stories in a mirror blogs bought. Um, they're all on there for free. I mean, if you if you just type in love stories in a mirror on Google. Like everything is on there under a blog. Um, there's hundreds on there. Okay. And yeah, so there's that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And then, what about your social media? You know, where can we find you or your your business? So me, it's just Angel Tiffany Jones on IG. Um, and then I have Love Stories in a Mirror. That is the hair page. That's all hair. Okay. All hair. <laughs> and you're off Facebook, right? Um, I do have a Facebook now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that ever gets posted on there is like hair stuff and <laughs> dog. I love an- like animal videos. Aww. I'm I'm that many years now. I'm just posting animal okay. videos. <laughs> and then, um, what is your Cash App or Venmo in case anyone you know just wants to support you? Um, what is my Cash App? I don't know. Um, I think it's. Angel Tiffany. That's it. Just Angel Tiffany. Like dollar sign. Dollar sign Angel, Angel Tiffany. Tiffany. Okay. I don't have Venmo. I have Zelle, but okay. Perfect. Um, so yes, if y'all want to support, you know, your local poet, artist, hairstylist, follow Angel Tiffany Jones on Instagram. Love stories in a mirror for um, her hair page, and then you know, shoot her some some money to support her. Um, and then finally, Angel, what sort of advice can you give someone who? like that was in your shoes or is in your shoes um what sort of advice would you give them based on everything that you've you've gone through oh goodness i know it's a lot don't be afraid to cry i think that's probably the biggest um challenge is we're taught not to cry um give in, cry. I don't think I cried till I was 27 and I wouldn't quit crying after that. But don't be afraid to cry. Um, because I think it takes more strength to cry Mm -hmm. 
than it does to hold it all in. Yeah. Um, yeah. That really is such an odd thing, but don't be afraid to cry. And um, listen to podcasts. Find um, things that are different, that are things that can keep the background noise in your head going. Um, definitely definitely surround yourself with people that are not negative or gaslighting you and putting you down um don't be afraid to cut family members off that are toxic yeah um and I don't throw that I mean we throw that around so much but really like don't be even if it's your parents like if they you wouldn't believe how many parents will keep their children in a negative thought process because they didn't make great choices and they're mm-hmm. um they don't believe their kids should have better than them yeah so don't be afraid to cut those people out of your life um healthy boundaries healthy boundaries are such a valuable thing and don't be afraid to to do that and that's like and also if you come from a family that has always found you and and blamed you and just treated you that way I came from an adopted family and um, I definitely always felt like things were my fault don't just god like really just get out of those do not try to live up to people's unrealistic expectations of you especially when they don't even hold up to those expectations because for the longest time my daddy issues definitely centered around that Mm. and so much of the bad choices I made and the mistakes I made came from a deep root of either trying to rebel against my father figure or trying to please my father figure Mm. that was not even actively in my life Mm, so yeah yeah those are really great words of advice and you know if anyone out there needs you know to talk to anyone you know as what we've heard from angel therapy is very important as well well thank you so much again angel for for coming in sharing so much of yourself with me and Thank everyone out there for tuning in with us for this episode of Tape This. Remember to stay safe and show love anywhere you can. Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see y'all next time.